Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. Welcome to No Encore. It's your music podcast of choice. Uh, I'm Craig Fitzpatrick, your host of choice. Maybe not quite. The reason Dave is not talking is because he is busy. All right. (laughs) Uh, He's having a kind of long awaited and much deserved break. He's gone to Drakeland. He's heading for Toronto. Um, He says he's trying to avoid the Six God music everywhere he goes, which is not going to happen whatsoever. No way. But luckily, as you can hear by that, Dahi Odroni's back. Yay! Yay. Finally back, yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, been you've a been, long summer. You've been elusive <laughs> this summer. Yeah, I'm, I'm building up to an album, so I'm doing a lot of festival shows and stuff. And also, um, yeah, basically... How is, like, the festival fatigue? Are you running uh, on fumes at this moment? Uh, well, we'll talk about it all together now in a, we in a second. We certainly will, but, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it was very good. It was my only camping, proper camping festival this year. So I'm, I've, I've toned back a good bit to what I used to do. <laughs> which was just like a very dirty tent in the back of the car for... Did for you unleash weeks. all your kind of festival camping tricks? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. We did yeah. that thing for Colm recently and you were just like, and another thing you should do if you're... Oh, yeah, You're yeah, like yeah. an absolute... I've got all the skills. Like, got you're all nearly the skills. a survivalist. Yeah. Like, I feel if <laughs> shit goes down, he's going to be up the wood, up the mountains somewhere and just absolutely grand. Well, it's good to have you back. Thank you very much. Even more exciting than the return of Captain Piddle is um, our other co-host... Um, it's Sunday Business Post arts editor, uh, beloved and award-winning broadcaster, and taking the podcast Ooh. world by storm with my roots are, are showing. 
new podcast you should definitely check out. By by storm, I mean just already more listeners than us, probably. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it's Nadina Regan. Yay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you show. for that introduction. No problem at all. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Kind. It's great. Um, well, you know, I'm going to do my best Dave Hannity impression and give out about uh, things. Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very on brand for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, how's your summer been? Because yeah, it's crazy busy with the show, obviously. Really good, yeah. I've been doing a few podcasts and just... Uh, it is amazing when you're kind of on the DIY route because so many little things, as I think both of you know, can go wrong mm-hmm. so easily. But yeah. I was in New York recently, did an interview with uh, the amazing John Ronson, the author, podcaster. You probably know him from The Psychopath Test and loads yeah. of other books. And uh, went to his Manhattan apartment, uh, met his two dogs, and we sat down and had a great interview. So that is the latest uh, podcast that's up there for my roots are showing at the moment. And uh, next week, either next week or in 10 days time I haven't quite decided um, Graham Norton will be on the podcast so yeah so it's all good is he as nice as he seems oh do you know what I am such a fangirl from Graham Norton (laughs) no he's a monster (laughs) (laughs) no but like one of my like on my Insta stories like one of my highlighted Insta stories is the moment when I first saw Graham Norton because I was at the book awards last year and he was around the corner and I went around the corner and I saw him and I just went back around the corner and then had to do like uh, an Instagram video talking about how there was no way I was going to approach him because I genuinely am like a really really big fan like I'm he's somebody that like I've been interviewing people for years so like to me like his chat show um, on TV is one of those shows that I just think he's so funny he's so witty yeah. and so then relaxed as well, and so yeah. relaxed yeah. and then when the book started coming out I couldn't believe he was writing fiction that was so different from what I'd perceived mm. of him of his character but nonetheless was so engaging and immersive so yes yeah, so when I was at the book awards and I was like oh my god so I didn't approach him because I didn't want to be that naff person that comes up and kind of bothers someone do you know that sure, kind of way it's a tough one. Um, but then I was invited to do an, uh, an interview with him uh, down in West Cork uh, for a festival so at that point I actually did get to make his acquaintance and like I cannot tell I like he was gloriously lovely he met my mother my godmother um, you know no, living together <laughs> he sat next to my godmother at the after um, kind of do and he asked her about her taste in fiction and she was proper starstruck it was actually amazing I was looking at them going this is surreal like this is absolute madness yeah. he was, but it was brilliant he was the subject of like um, a portrait artist of the year or something about a year or two ago and the guy that won it was Irish and it turned out they were like third cousins or something but their parents like knew each other and it just it was he seemed lovely but like yeah they met the Irish families and it was a whole thing the guy that was painting them was pretty incredible and then so then the podcast is basically kind of based around what people's influences are yeah Yeah, so the idea of of my roots are showing it's essentially to sort of get an idea about people's influences inspirations their background and it also gives me a little bit of space I suppose it's fairly wide-ranging podcast so if there's something that's kind of hitting people at the time like for example John Ronson has had a lot of I suppose Twitter controversy over the last while um, Graham Lennon and himself have had a few back and forths mm. and he's had experience with trolls so you know that came out um, yeah. as part of our interview so it kind of gives people the space to talk about what they want to talk yeah, about as sure. well I listened to uh, the Kevin Barry podcast that you did as mm. well I'm a massive massive fan of Kevin Barry and mm. it was the same thing it was kind of he he's such a good writer and has been going for so long and I really really enjoyed the parts of the conversation where you're basically talking about uh, how much freedom he had as a young person to do what he wanted yeah. if you know what I mean which was really really fantastic so it's really it's really really interesting to hear these people talk like that you know and that was it was pure fluke actually we did that interview 
mainly because I'm a fan mm. and I was down in West Cork, he was down in West Cork and then like a week later he becomes the only Irish author to be longlisted yeah. for the Booker Prize and I was just like, well, <laughs> this is a happy you occasion. <laughs> Andy out. <laughs> yeah. So it was very good timing. Great, great. Uh, and you can get it on all kind of podcasts. Yeah, iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, uh, my own SoundCloud, which is just Nadine or Regan. And uh, you can find it under My Roots Are Showing or under my name. And uh, yeah, it's actually, it's really cool. It's actually great to see it grow because, you know, when I was doing radio shows um, with Songs in the Cave Life, you couldn't really tell who yeah. was listening. You could yeah. see by the text and stuff yeah. and you'd get the JNL lore figures and you'd be happy when they went up. But at the same time, it didn't feel as personal as a podcast feels course, because yeah. you can really see uh, when something makes an impression. Yeah, and it's kind of exciting, you know. It's great, yeah. Like yeah, I yeah. presume you guys have that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like totally, I mean, yeah. you do really kind of you feel more connected. Most, I guess the most to, valuable yeah. thing is while people are listening, they're they're like messaging your accounts while you're actually doing the things, and that's sure. like one of the most fun parts of it for sure. Yeah, you know? which is great. So let's talk all together now. You were both at it. I was not. Yeah. Um, not because I was desperately trying and I couldn't make it. I was just at home. Um, so like the weather didn't dampen the spirits. But like, This is your Joe Duffy moment. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to Craig. Um, <laughs> talk to Craig, yeah. The Craig line is open. I, did, like, I, I, I think the, the rain did dampen spirits a oh, little did? bit, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah. You're such it a contrarian these days. Like. <laughs> it was extremely wet in certain parts. Oh, oh okay. my God. Sunday in the middle of the day was one of the most intense rains I've ever been at a festival but uh, it was really fun though it was really really good what um, time on Sunday? Uh, middle of the day was when it was raining really badly but uh, when I played it was it was uh, like 1am 1, 1 or something like that and it actually stopped raining then and it was actually fine okay yeah because I ducked out at about did you miss the exact time when I it was I think I did Amazing. yeah because somebody <laughs> said that to me and I was like no I was kind of drizzling when I got to the car and I yeah. got home for about 7 so uh, yeah. yeah you were perfect you dodged, <laughs> dodged a bullet it was like Bombay Bicycle Club were playing on the, on the main stage I wouldn't be a huge Bombay Bicycle Club fan but it was one of the best shows I'd saw all weekend it was actually really? amazing it okay. was so so good but it was pouring rain it was really really wet um but uh yeah i mean apart from that i mean it was it was a really really fun festival i thought um uh the irish acts really kind of held their own there was an amazing saint sister show on sunday where mm. they brought um junior brother out to sing like the l triangle and it was just like the new age is here it's like happening right in front of us kind of thing it was really amazing yeah you know? and the lazarus soul on sunday yes. were great yeah, as well yeah, like totally downbeat in terms of what they do they have that new album which is just beautiful like it's like indie trad and it was funny because you know so many of the songs are quite melancholic but there's so much passion and brian brannigan just sings with that kind of ferocity and you could see all these people coming into the tent and so many of them were singing back the lines oh. uh, it was really impressive because they're not one of those Irish bands that necessarily gets all the press but they're yeah. really brilliant it was cool now all of it was kind of I was going to say by a shadow wasn't it? <laughs> well yeah I mean you know it seems like a festival with a really special atmosphere once you get in as the organisers <laughs> highlighted as yeah I know the traffic's been bad but wait till you oh, see wait, the scenery see. <laughs> this place is great oh my god now in fairness um, they have kind of issued statements following the festival and like there will be a, a full review of the events traffic management Scardy have been speaking and stuff but it was just craziness what went on just you know mismanagement on that scale you yeah. know not once you got in there but getting there like I was hearing stories of people leaving at like 11am and setting up their okay, tent but at didn't, midnight but like, didn't, <laughs> didn't you love the story though of the farmer who was directing 
people, <laughs> festival goers, into yeah. a into field a few, yeah. because he was under the mistaken impression that they were trying to get to a funeral. And I think, <laughs> as Dave Hannity of this parish was saying, imagine rocking up to the church <laughs> with your tent and your cans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, like, and that was that was it. Like, because it was I don't know. Like, so I was I I found it ex- extremely entertaining from my couch because like on Friday I didn't go at all. Yeah, so, and I had made that decision on Friday morning not to go on the Friday. And thank God. <laughs> <laughs> because I was just sitting on my couch like looking at Twitter and it was absolutely crazy it was like and w- what I realised afterwards when I drove up on the, on the Saturday was it, like genuinely there was no signs for Altogether Now anywhere you needed the Google Map links that they were providing you and everything and if you didn't like it, it's actually quite a hard site to get to in terms of yeah. like there were certain turns where it was just like a very sharp U-turns up hills and it stuff it was essentially and, at one point just a single road right? yeah that was exactly just... like yeah yeah and and it kind of goes to show that there was like one farmer with a high-vis jacket who was <laughs> suddenly directing everybody into fields you know? I know like my smugness was also off the scale on Friday <laughs> because I was also planning on going down and then I had um, <laughs> I had a radio thing to do and I actually really didn't want to cancel it so I was like look you can't do a radio thing at 7 and then drive down it's not going to work out Um, so I went on the Saturday flew down in two hours arrived in was waved into an empty field (laughs) actually put up my tent in an empty field which was the most bizarre thing because myself and my friend uh, we put up our tent and like it was it was just crazy like there was no one around us it was it was glorious and there were people in in other sort of like there was wire and then there were all these other uh, tents and somebody actually came up to me and said I feel like the boy in the striped pyjamas pressing my hands against the wire <laughs> oh my but God. how I know totally grim but they were like but how have you found this field and, and how are you here and we were like we don't even know we were just told to go in there and yeah I mean well, shaky comparison in fairness but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was odd I mean putting a positive spin on it you reckon it was like like this generation's Irish Woodstock for some people just like oh, and yeah. stopped cars I like ma- making long time kind of friends yeah and, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was real happening like, everyone was there <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the fun was had yeah. oh yeah you didn't really live when I was getting out if you didn't get in the queue for like eight hours or Alan whatever. Ginsberg was reading poetry on the bonnet of a <laughs> Nissan yeah um, alright but can I just say right, I had no sympathy for the people that didn't bring water or any food in their car to a festival I mean None. come no on no sympathy come yeah, on yeah, like yeah, how yeah. many festivals like you know if you're any kind of a festival goer that you have to bring a few basics like I always have the snacks in my car for, for when I do arrive back to the car on my way home because they're like the most beautiful snacks oh, amazing like, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 so I mean I, I do like I look I had tons of sympathy for them and I heard absolute uh, absolutely like rotten stories um, but at the same time I did feel like that some of the people particularly on Joe Duffy started taking their outrage out on the festival itself and started complaining about things like portaloos and that and we all know portaloos are not this glorious experience yeah. <laughs> with uh, tons of soap and and toilet paper yeah, available yeah, yeah. in every loo like anyone that goes to festivals knows that it's a bit of a lottery so there seemed to be a weird like a very high expectation from everybody yeah I had this really weird uh, like some one of my all time favourite traditions for festivals mm-hmm. every single festival I go to uh, walk and roll if you know walk and roll <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of like thai food stuff but like I, I always always your face is like, lighting up day. right now oh, just, just thinking every about single it. festival <laughs> I get one walk and roll every single festival and while I was up there there was a woman getting really angry angry with the person at the thing because just basically the food didn't look like the food in the picture on the thing and was like asking for a full refund and going crazy and like to be fair though the one thing I would say is the festival this year was a very different festival from the festival last year so the the festival last year 
served lobster at one of the stalls. Really? <laughs> no joke. Like they had mild cheese and lobster. And I was like, well, the toasty stall is sold out. So the only <laughs> thing left. Lobster it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, it's a much, it was a much bigger festival this year. I think yeah. they went to around 25,000 or something along those lines. Did it feel much bigger while you were yeah, there? Yeah, it was so different. It was so different. It was more like Body and Soul with yeah. an indie lineup than it was the, the version of the festival that I attended last year. And the, the festival last year was 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 so glorious it was such a, a great experience but the one thing I would say is that this year what I liked was that the volume on, on all the stages had been turned up and last year I was watching Roisin Murphy thinking this is a really weird complaint but she's not loud enough and yeah, I don't yeah. know why that is maybe there was some licensing or reasoning around it but it was the case with actually an awful lot of the stages yeah. whereas this year it was kind of full throttle festival and I thought the main stage sound was amazing like I saw Father John Misty Patti Smith Hot Chip on that Mm. stage on the Saturday night and thought they were just incredible and a a large part of that is good production on the back end Yeah I had heard I had heard a lot of people talking about stages were being budged around in different areas so that you wouldn't get sound hitting from one stage to another and that sounds to me like very very classic kind of um, starting out festival teething stuff where like yeah. a festival will hit on the right place to put everything and then we'll stick to that and then that's how it kind of stays um, and I think they're still at that stage now like I mean if they up the the um, the count again like for next year it's going to be, be quite interesting like yeah yeah because the traffic thing is was very very serious really whatever yeah. issues there were at least you weren't at home on your couch on Saturday evening like me watching the Mary from from Dunglow festival have you ever seen this no I like stumbled across <laughs> it at like half ten on TG Cahar it was Daniel O'Donnell so I'm like right I'm in yeah, yeah. and it's like Donegal's Rose of Tralee no way it's been on for like 50 years but it's the most like it's does like it, this does weirdly, it feel like an alternative Rose of Tralee, like a much more like North Rose of Tralee? Kind of yeah, thing? like a kind of cup price <laughs> Rose of Tralee. It's very kind of David Lynch almost. Like really? there's the woman kind of on keys, just accompanying like the talent bits, which are just wow. quite odd. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Like, do you wish you'd have gone to Altogether Now? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you wish I'd gone to, like, yeah, Mary from Dunglow, because I will go next year. It seems amazing. Yeah, actually, when I was looking at the lineup earlier on, I was like, uh, yeah, it seems pretty amazing. Yeah, it was um, a very good lineup. Yeah. There were some really interesting points as well. Like, I mean, the, the National were really, really good on the Sunday, um, but it was like this really weird moment because obviously the shootings that happened that day as well, and okay, you could yeah. see the National were, like, extremely affected by the whole thing, and you could see it in their performance. So it felt like a very kind of time and place kind of gig, which is good in a kind of a sad way if you know what I mean um, and that and was in Ohio wasn't it their, yes, their right. home place yeah, yeah their yeah. home place yeah 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 and he kind of had the speech before before he started playing kind of about America and about where the state that it's at and stuff and then kicked into the whole thing as well wow. so it's pretty yeah powerful. it was pretty powerful like yeah yeah um, one music festival that has lots of transport routes to and from is Ireland Music Week, which has just announced its 50 acts today. Um, nice. It'll be running from October 1st to October 5th. Amongst the acts are the likes of Junior Brother, Tebby Rex, uh, Kit Philippa, Marcus Woods, Touts, Thumper and more. So, yeah, we've talked about this before, Dahi, but yeah. it seems like a good kind of refresh yeah for the kind of like, it seems like a pretty good list from what I could see yeah. of the people putting in we only just got it today so it kind of uh, 
we're just just getting getting the announcement and stuff. They've, they've cut down the acts, haven't they? Uh, is that what? what yeah, it's going to be fifty before? acts, uh, 50 acts. Uh, venues including Grand Social, Lost Lane, Button Factory, and Workman's. Uh, also, there's the kind of dedicated B two B conference elements. So just like mm. kind of lots lots of workshops about the actual business itself and Great. stuff that should be useful. Yeah. So it's always fun. It's definitely it's always good. one to look out for. Okay, let's kick off the news and we'll kick off with some super sad news that broke just after midnight last night. Uh, David Berman, uh, the reluctant songwriter and poet whose dry baritone and wry wordy compositions anchored Silver Jews and more recently, only last month, uh, Purple Mountains, has died. He died on Wednesday at the age of 52. Uh, his record label, Drag City, made the announcement. Uh, they confirmed a death in a statement on Twitter calling the musician one of the most inspiring individuals we've ever known. A uh, spokeswoman declined to provide any further details about his death but just going on Twitter and from his close friends it's been more or less confirmed that he passed by suicide um so if you don't know David Berman, he formed Silver Juice in the late 80s. Uh, he had an association with Pavens, um, Stephen Malkmus, um, Bob Nastanovich, and kind of he went his own way, I guess, then. But he was just seen as a supremely talented songwriter um, and even more specifically lyricist and poet. Um, yeah, and just poet the outpouring um, of tributes from his kind of his peers and his colleagues today just talking about how really he was in a class of his own when it came to writing. Uh, a troubled guy for a lot of years. Um, yeah, I, kinda, I did, yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't know a huge amount about him until Craig. I think you were telling us at some point a couple of weeks ago that. Yeah, uh, we had him on songs of the week because yeah. the Purple Mountains, which was his new kind of guys, his new alias. Um, it was. It came out about a month ago. It was his first record in a decade. He'd been yeah. kind of battling issues and stuff. It was a critical triumph. Um, people were kind of falling over themselves to praise him. He was about to kick off a North American tour this week. Um, and he had kind of long-standing issues with, you know, intense stage fright and stuff like that. So I think people were concerned how he'd hold up. But it seemed like such a kind of, he'd been Return. through the worst of it. Yeah. And also, like, his music was so dark, but he was so, as it says there, kind of wry and dry about it. And uh, so elegant in the way he kind of dealt with his own issues that you just thought it was a kind of shield against the worst. But um, sadly, it was not. Yeah, he's a beautiful lyricist. Um, there was a tweet actually from someone, a friend of his, um, who just sent on a text that he had actually sent to him before he passed because he had known that David had some issues around the idea of touring yeah. and was worried about it. So the, the tweet, or sorry, the text said, I hope you have a great tour. Please don't let irritating minutiae disrupt a positive set of vibes. Your album is a triumph and the positive momentum is something to latch onto and cherish. You've worked hard. Try your best to raise Purple Mountains to new unexpected heights. The live presentation of the music is something to embrace. The door is swung open. Finish them off. I'm rooting for you. Love, Bob. And I just thought, you know, he was yeah. receiving texts like that from his friends yeah. to kind of keep him, you know, bolstered and keep him in a positive place. And you can only imagine, like, how they must have felt on hearing the news. Um, but also their understanding must have been, you know, so clear to them that, that he was in a delicate place and he did need that kind of support. Yeah. Um, we had Steve Malkmus on the show um, last year. And just kind of in the middle of the chat, we started talking about David's work and if he was coming back. And I was extremely excited when Stephen was talking about, yeah, he's got the songs and he's nearly good to go. And he was really excited. And you could tell from the way he was talking about 
his friend how much he first of all cared for him and how like if this would go to, was going to be a good thing for him but also the kind of reverence he had for his work yeah, he was kind of almost like in hushed tones going yeah yeah we're going to get something really soon so um as bob nastanovich said in his kind of um heartfelt message just you know he had that kind of support base he had a lot of friends but he was just kind of struggling through and he said um, for most of my life I was amazed by David as a person a humorist and a writer it was enlightening to have such a talented friend at a young age and realise that the talent wasn't always a blessing um, so yeah yeah so yeah I, all I will say is check out his work because um, it can be life changing he's just one of the greats of his generation and maybe of all time in terms of lyrics uh, he'll, he'll blow you away um, and may he sleep well in other news, um, you guys weren't here for, but last week we talked about Chance the Rapper's album. Oh, yeah. I've heard it. Big day. <laughs> he got married. Did you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The important <laughs> thing is that he loves his wife. I think that's the wife. most important thing. Yeah, Dave was here. We had Dean Van Wyn, uh, who was great on all things hip hop, and um, we weren't massive fans of the twenty-two track, seventy-seven a minute um, declaration I, I'm of love. I'm into it. I'm into it. I think you're all being okay so it's not necessarily the coolest album in the world right <laughs> no. um, but it's like Dadelow Bright it's like a combination of Jackson 5 and old Kanye back when he was doing the more yeah. kind of poppy stuff kind of like yeah, Quincy yeah. stuff to it yeah, yeah yeah and do you know what the man's in love <laughs> <laughs> leave him off <laughs> yeah as he reiterated this week um, at the end of a tread which actually got people quite worried about him from the first message I'm not sure he framed this the right way um, Chance the Rapper is totally fine he's in a good headspace but he kind of he tweeted that he's getting this crazy feeling that people want him to kill himself um then he kind of went on a minute later say that isn't his vibe at all but i feel the push um he went on to say that even more than that people want him to feel ashamed and he talked about how shame was heavy he was feeling really prideful of the album and you know music is the number one thing that influences how he feels so kind of it can push him from one side to the other so having people basically not love his album was putting him in a bad space um at the end of the thread yeah he said i want to let some of these feelings go because that's what twitter is for for people to say exactly what's on their hearts and the number one thing that's been on my heart and has been reaffirmed in the last week <laughs> that i'm now 100 percent sure of is that i love my wife um i don't know like in the review we talked about chance Maybe not being able to take criticism, like he's kind this of the thing, like, he's yeah, ordered yeah. journalists to stand down before. He's uh, recently attacked like sincere fans have been like, "Not sure about the new direction." Chance, he's like, "Get out of here, dickhead!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Lizzo did the same on Twitter, she right? Did, yeah, and I can yeah. totally understand, especially like this is a very kind of it's a vulnerable statement to make, I guess, in hip hop. You don't have do we have any albums like this where it's so openly just. I'm celebrating my wedding day, the kind of pureness of it. But it is, again, chance. Do you chance. know what? Can I bring up a non-hip-hop album, but an album that did do that as well? It was back in, was it the early 2000s? David Kitt released an mm. album. I think it was a Square Square One, was it called? Um, yes. Where yeah. it was very much about love and a celebration of love. And I really, really liked it. Um, I thought it was beautifully achieved. But a lot of people felt quite conflicted about it. And mm. some of the reviews were a little bit like... Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a kind of a very strong cliche in kind of music as well, where like it's almost that idea that like it's, you know, you kind of have to be miserable to make really good art yeah. and stuff, you know. And if you're too overly happy, that it doesn't like come across well on a record and stuff. Um, and now like to be fair, like I think Chance Chance the Rapper could have written an album <laughs> that was like really really happy about his wedding and really really in love, yeah. but a better album. To me, yeah, <laughs> you know, it it's, it's not. The, I don't yeah. think the album is really that bad because it's like celebrating happiness or love it's more bad because it's just 
like I don't know, it just feels a bit it's un- saggy, but yeah, that exactly, that's yeah. not I actually like the album. I really like some yeah. of the album. Yeah, I like the Death Cab for Cutie track. I like um the title track. Um and the But I mean uh, there are twenty two tracks. I know, I know, I know, okay, there's twenty two tracks. Reaching I for actually, number three. Hold on a minute while I actually tell you because well, this isn't the one we're reviewing, but there's a lot there's a lot of tracks on it that I actually kinda looked at and I like when I was listening to it, I just thought, okay, there's way too many tracks and you're actually gonna drive people absolutely crazy. Mm. But at the same time, like I put probably three tracks from that album into my best of 2019 uh, playlist on Spotify. So Let's Go on the Run actually is an amazing song. Get a Bag is another great track. And I think it's worth investigating and actually saying to yourself, okay, even if 70% of this album isn't for me, that's still a great 40 minutes that's There's, left. You can get something out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I and mean, he's taken so many shots, something's got to stick. I know. Surely. But I think the important takeaway is that, like, again, he seems to be a bit, like, deflecting a bit. I, I've no doubt there is a lot of trolls on Twitter that are oh, yeah, just constantly yeah, yeah. saying nasty things. But that has to be, be true of every... From people on Twitter. Yeah, though, and like, I think the general kind of critical consensus, or even among, amongst his fan base, is we want the best for chance. Yeah. Uh, we're happy that he's happy. We I mean, don't like his album. That's no reflection on him as a person. Yeah. I just thought it was maybe a bit reckless to kind of lead with such kind of loaded language of like, I get this crazy feeling people want me to kill my... Like, it just seems... It's kind of dodgy territory then for it to kind of culminate in what is essentially a breezy joke, right? Yeah. Does yeah, it yeah. seem a bit... It's getting yeah. done a lot, though, I think, on social media. I think you have people saying, lay off, you're actually hurting me, you're affecting me, because I think there has been, particularly over the last two years, a huge surge in tweeters who are effectively uh, tweeting more and more negative things in the hope of generating likes and retweets. And right, it's yeah. just extremism for likes. And the people who are the target of that kind of extremism, whether it's extreme hate or sometimes even extreme love, can wind up feeling very, very uncomfortable. And I think expose, exposing yourself as a human being who has a family, who has, you know, mm. like things they care about and actually saying I'm feeling really vulnerable is one way to kind of counteract that, even if it's if it's not... I guess, um, a way that maybe hip hop artists have traditionally behaved. But like we're in a really weird space in Twitter at the moment. Like there's a lot of trolling and maybe people do need manners put on them in a way to say, look, there's a human being at the other end of this. Yeah, Yeah, because you can see a situation where anything he tweets for the next month will be just like lines and lines of people giving him abuse for the the entire time, you know. It's a really tough situation he's in. will, Will a piece like this actually help that? is, a, is yeah. a kind of a question like I don't know I don't know but like there's that whole thing in hip hop as well where like it's a cliche to talk about bitches and hoes and that and like he's yeah. done exactly the opposite of that and I'm kind of glad to see that like the more people that emerge um, with a kind of more uh, non-cliched sort of 1990 style take yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is to be welcomed it's just that they know that if they do that they're going to get this Reaction, yeah. like no, like a kind of a version of this that was way better received, and for my money, a much better album would be Arizona from this year. Yes, yeah, um, which is also like a person laying bare, kind of throwing out all the cliches of hip hop and and talking about feelings and emotions in a really, really powerful way, while also being very like 
um, exciting in terms of production and doing something new and stuff. I don't know. I, th- I think people just expect so much for from Chance the Rapper. It's like the thing. Right? Yeah. Well, he was seen as the kind of the golden child yeah, of like, he's, you know, Kanye's yeah. protege. If you talk about that kind of change in hip hop and the backpack mm-hmm. stuff, like he was going to be the next true, guy. Yeah. And it hasn't really panned out. Uh, we'll see what he oh, does God, next. you're so harsh, guys. <laughs> you just don't believe in we love. We still love Chance. We're happy <laughs> for him. He'll be back. He'll be yeah. stronger. Um, speaking of weird Cynics. spaces in Twitter. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter trolls, we're supposed to be the good guys. Dave is supposed to be the cynic. Yeah. Jesus, so maybe we're okay, yeah compensating in his absence. David have me thrown out by now, yeah, but I'm yeah. still here, Dave. <laughs> we're representing the the Dave Hannity school of thought. Um, yeah, we talked about ASAP Rocky last week, and then hours after the show uh, came out, he was released from jail uh, last Friday at the conclusion of his assault trial. So he was coming home to America, which suggests that like he, by right, should go back, I think, August 14th to kind of hear the verdict. But it essentially means he'll be let off or the time that he gets is already time served. Yeah. So many people were Please. elated. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky kind of um, put out his own message on Instagram thanking the court and his supporters. He didn't really fan the flames. He didn't say, fuck you, Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was saying, you know, it's been a difficult and humbling experience. I look forward to that album. Me too, actually. That's, yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. The hostage envoy that Donald Trump sent over, Robert C. O'Brien, um, delivered the news to Trump and then the president cheered it on on Twitter. With some puns, yeah. it was a rocky week. Get home ASAP, ASAP. Woo! Nice. Like, why is the president <laughs> tweeting about this? Like, I saw that and I was like, seriously, come on. I saw somebody put uh, Trump into the ASAP mob on Wikipedia now as well. So he's like part of the <laughs> ASAP Trumpy. Yeah, yeah, ASAP Trumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all, all, all's well that ends well, I think. <laughs> yeah, like he hasn't nabbed him for a photo op yet, but I'm sure that's coming. I'm oh, sure yeah, Rocky yeah. was on the plane home just being like, do I have to like now? Yeah, Does he, yeah. Is he owning this? ASAP now has to go to like a, like a, uh, whatchamacallit, like a big fucking uh, drive or whatever, a money yeah. drive. Well, apparently his first stop off was Kanye West's uh, weekly Sunday service. Um, yeah. He pitched up at that. Of course, the reason uh, for Trump's involvement was that Kanye and Kim Kardashian basically called him up and said, listen, can you can you help our boy? Which he did, I guess. No, I don't think he did. did I think he might have made no. the situation worse. It's just pu- it's publicity, isn't it? It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, seriously, like the, the government over there are going to say, oh, well, I mean, if Trump just tweeted yeah. about it. Let's- He'll take credit for it, for sure. <laughs> like, geez, yeah. Um, I enjoy Justin Bieber's uh, message of, listen, I'm really glad you're trying to help my friend, but can you let the kids out of cages as well while you're at it, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yeah, President? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Rocky's now free to travel uh, wherever he wants, and he's performing this Sunday. Also free to travel now is Tyler the Creator his ban from entering and performing in New Zealand has been lifted we've covered this before and it's a win for common sense as some awful person might say I don't know it's a weird sentence isn't it a win for common sense Um, very Fox News (laughs) (laughs) but yeah according to Stuff um, Immigration New Zealand have confirmed that Tyler's visa has been approved for upcoming gigs that he is no longer deemed to be a potential threat to public order and the public interest so crazy which it really is especially like over the the point now where this this last album that I released and stuff it just seems pure love. you're like like, yeah Um, he's like yeah obviously he turned a huge corner as a bloke I guess although to begin with he didn't seem like that much of a no, threat he was just a super energetic performer yeah like, bit outspoken and in hip hop yeah so yeah. Um, yeah madness speaking of outspoken <laughs> rent a quote Noel Gallagher um, he's been bringing the sound bites he's been doing a few interviews um, he also has music out which we'll actually talk about not many people seem to be doing that either 
Um, but yeah, so he's basically been talking about what are he, his brother? His brother, of all people, what a surprise. It's the Blur um, Oasis of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> he basically said surprisingly that he was uh, embarrassed by his brother Liam's set at Glastonbury. Um, he said, I don't think I've ever been so embarrassed for a man in my entire life. Uh, he pulled off the incredible magic of making those Oasis uh, songs sound weedy and thin and he looked like he was having the worst day of his life walking around in what looks like a pair of my son's pajamas shouting into a mic about some perceived injustice. If you can't sing them, don't play them. Now, I always think that's so mad as well that he made. He, he's saying that he made those Oasis songs sound weedy and thin. I think we're going to be talking about... <laughs> <laughs> we are. We'll get the songs song of the week. Later on. <laughs> and maybe that might come up again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, again, like, he's, he's just releasing a single at the moment with High Flying Birds. And once again, like, it's unbelievable how much, like, they, like, use this game to bring up their music consistently. And it's just crazy. I was like, because I, I looked up, I was trying to find the actual track today to have a listen to it and the first four results was basically him just on radio stations and people asking him questions about different things as opposed to the actual track which yeah. is what you're supposed to be listening to. Well, it's become to. a cliche now but people are saying you know he should be charging for the interviews and then just giving the music away for free. But I guess <laughs> so he's true. Doing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As um, like an appearance personality kind of thing as I mean is there any like substance in the theory that they're both on speaking terms and it's all fine and this is just helping both their solo careers? Oh, I don't mm. know. Well it is helping both their solo yeah. careers so that is, is nice to see in the sense that like at least they're still present in the media because to be honest I mean I'd much rather interview Noel Gallagher with something to say than one of those oh man I've interviewed my fair share of indie bands who look at you like they're doing you such a favour say yeah. absolutely nothing for 25 minutes and then saunter off uh, <laughs> like their job is done and like Noel brings everything to yeah, the party yeah, yeah. you know um, actually um He's, he, I suppose he's just one of those guys, isn't he, as well, that like, you know, he can still, if he's on a magazine cover in 2019, you'll still actually go and buy the magazine. Yeah. Like he's one of the few people that if he was on Q magazine, I'll be like, I'll take that down from the shelf. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily have a look for that on the Internet. So, yeah, yeah, we need we need stars. He's a star. Liam's a star. It doesn't even matter what you think of the music. They are stars. Yeah, I mean, okay, speaking of stars, and we have a lot of news, which we'll probably dispense of, but I feel like we need to talk about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, we <laughs> right? Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this so thing was incredible. On a previous kinda, episode. By the way, can I just say, right, that's a perfect segue because <laughs> <laughs> I love Nicolas Cage. So do I. Oh, it's amazing. God, he We're exists. fans of Nicolas Cage right <laughs> He's here. utterly, utterly baffling. He couldn't give a toss. <laughs> I watched that footage where he was sort of getting married, or he was he was in a row with somebody and then they were getting married in Vegas and they were, yeah, then, then it, the what was going Vegas. on it was annulled four days later yeah. and you're like Nicholas Cage fair play to you for keeping things interesting <laughs> yeah so like this footage emer- emerged a few days after the annulment where it seemed like he was just kind of on the tear um, he was doing some kind of quite public karaoke if you could call it that at Purple Rain yeah. where he was just screaming and he has confirmed in a lengthy interview with the singing. New York yeah, Times yeah. that it was primal scream therapy that was going on <laughs> over a Purple Rain backing track um, well, no, I mean, to be fair now, he said it was a karaoke session though, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't meant to be videotaped, was what he said. Yeah, yeah. he didn't expect to be videotaped. So the quote goes, um, you go to a karaoke bar with a male friend in the neighbourhood. The bar <laughs> says, no videotaping. And suddenly there's and two different videos yeah, yeah, yeah. of you. Good <laughs> thing you're you Nicholas a male Cage. friend as well. For heaven forbid you be there with a girl <laughs> like, friend yeah. as well. Like, even the way he says videotaping, like he expects <laughs> someone to take out a massive camera. Just like, phones don't have cameras whatsoever. There's two different videos of you doing karaoke. Who did that? Who exposed the video? 
video. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like there's detectives yeah, running yeah. around. Dropped Vegas. it around the back of like the Washington Post or something in an envelope. Who sold it? Uh, but yeah, he continues. Honestly, I wasn't even doing that to sing. It was more like primal scream therapy. It was a holiday, a holiday weekend. <laughs> and I didn't want to go anywhere. But my friend who was with me said, you can't sit here in your apartment. You've got to go out, which is good advice. He got yes. out there. He did some prints um, and he shook off a few demons. It's all it's all from an interview from the New York Times, yeah. which is actually just worth a read because there's just so much in it. Like it's really really incredible. He kind of uh, he talks a lot. Of, he kind of so he kind much. of sells this idea, which I think is probably true that like he he is actively doing a lot of these type of things to kind of really um, create like a, a myth around the man. Yeah. Okay, I mean. yeah. Can I ask you though, right? Because like sometimes we've seen like situations where Ozzy Osbourne had the bash, and then Trent Reznor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> has a sidekick for five years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, just ate it. but you know like Trent Reznor wants to live in the Manson house and like as a musician Dahi like do you ever feel like you need to create that cult or persona around yeah, yourself yeah, and if you do like have you ever sent out something outrageous you know like oh, yeah. See, like, Dahi yeah. has My, bitten the, the head of Dahi off a Labrador like, it's very boring it's like lovely lad from the west of Ireland I, I can see you like starting a cult do. on some island somewhere I, yeah Just, I probably should start doing that yeah, should, yeah. yeah. I go to the west of Ireland and like start like a really like dark windy cult in the middle <laughs> yeah. of nowhere but, is but like a wholesome is, one <laughs> is it hard to be an Irish band doing that because like I know you guys were talking about the Fontaines recently and there is a sort of a myth making element around them now I really like the Fontaines and I, th- I saw them live at Forbidden Fruit thought they were amazing um, but they do play into the Flan O'Brien James yeah. Joyce kind of myth making uh, hard drinking kind yeah, of band yeah, yeah, yeah. thing and the New York Times obviously has gone along with that in its recent interview but like is it hard for Irish bands to, to I don't know make themselves bigger than they are that cartoon effect yeah I mean I think you mentioned in last week's episode mm. uh, how and it was a really interesting point actually which was kind of I think it's much harder to do now than it was in the past because yeah. you're kind of always on you're always like you're expected to kind of be kind of interacting with people on such a like a regular basis that creating that myth is incredibly difficult if you're trying to do both of the things at the same time i mean i think the only person off the top of my head that i can think of that kind of gets anywhere close to that would be something like the 1975 right yeah yeah um, i guess so. and they've kind of done it by leaning into the overexposure exactly right? yeah yeah, yeah. almost think, making a comment on it or yeah. something do you think they're cartoon because like i mean i would have thought that um matty's you know documented drug use mm. with heroin was a very kind of real situation or do you mean something I don't know else? just from interviews like yeah maybe his situations are but then once he goes into interview mode he will frame it in such a way that it kind of is you know yeah. myth building and he'll talk about I never wanted to be one of those romantic junkies or blah yeah, blah blah yeah, and yeah. he'll kind of he'll talk about when he went to rehab and he bumped into someone that li- like lived across the road from him and like do you know what I mean he's very aware of building his own story and his backstory so yeah, yeah I'm sure he's ha- has issues and things like that but he's hyper aware and to a kind of careerist degree of like here's how I become a kind of a modern take on the rock star I guess yeah okay um, yeah, I really like the 1975 okay well, that's allowed <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm getting thrown out again <laughs> 
They're apparently no, great live. Really I've heard good things. It's supposed to be incredible live. Yeah, yeah. They are supposed um, to be Dave Hanratty was at their uh, three he, he arena game. He was blown away. Yeah, he really, really loved it. You know, they're more interesting than your average pop group, I guess. They're, they're interesting yeah, to have yeah. around, at least for these for kind sure. of discussions. Okay, damned with fake praise. I love the 1975. I think they're amazing. And I love the way they bring back a little bit of the 80s, but marry it to these really interesting 2019 lyrics about texting and Instagram and Donald Trump mm. and it all seems very much of a piece with the kind of band that are actually connecting to people in their early 20s as an example of a kind of indie pop that, that they're actually buying into because God knows there's so much out there that's not indie pop these days and is just a very anemic synth pop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can cut that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying the 1975 <laughs> points. We have news stories on copyright battles. Um, we've Simpsons news. Will we move on to songs yeah, of the week? Unless of the week. Let's, let's do it. Let's get into some actual proper music. Nadine, we'll start with your choice. I'd really rather not because I actually prefer <laughs> yours. But I'm going to. Well, let's uh, get it out of the way then. <laughs> Gallagher's new single um, This Is The Place and I picked it actually um, I would much rather have picked Tool um, because it's a far superior track uh, but kind of the reason I picked it was because well we are talking about Noel Gallagher mm. and, and I'm just, I kind of wish he would just stop with what he's at at the moment I just don't like this return to this primal scream circa the 1990s it's very scream sort of, uh, yeah, yeah kind of indie dance uh, with a female uh, vocal popping in on the chorus like he's in the Rolling Stones or something and it's just confusing to me because Noel is actually a beautiful songwriter and his voice is best with a straight ahead indie track that doesn't have this clutter on it uh, coming in from the sort of sub Chemical Brothers kind of vibe Mm. Um, and actually on his uh, 2017 album um, Who Built the Moon there's one track on that album and it's an extra track and it was recorded uh, in the 2FM actually years ago and it was just a track he played called Dead in the Water and it's done on piano and it is absolutely heartbreakingly good and it puts everything else on that album to shame and it just it's so upsetting to me that Noel Gallagher isn't recognising his own strengths and actually saying to himself well you know what I'm a phenomenal songwriter Mm. on a good day and this is not the stuff I should be doing I think he just wants to sound different from Liam but then Liam wants to sound like what old Noel used to sound like which is it's just a mess that's so true you nailed it there like basically he's he's kind of and you you hear like when he's doing those interviews over the last week as well where he goes like oh well it just sounds so samey and so so boring it almost feels like this track is a perfect example of, of Noel kind of going well I have to sound really different I have to try and do loads of different things to a point where he just he just gets lost in it and I also I also found on this track as well that like the actual vocal melody was just so samey the whole way through 
it didn't feel like a like an actual songwriting exercise, which is where he kind of performs best. Um, yeah, I, it was it was very very strange altogether. It is like when I was a teenager, I was really into the kind of grunge era, and we all had like that kind of style, you know, real dressed down Doc Martens, that kind of thing. But I did have one pair of flares that I thought <laughs> occasionally I thought might suit me, and they didn't, and I shouldn't have worn them. And Noel shouldn't wear this as a track as a look. Yeah. <sighs> I don't, yeah, I mean, you talk about flares, but like the guitar lick is very Top Gear, like boot cut jeans. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, we're not going the full flare because that would mean commitment <laughs> and he's not committing. <laughs> I do think he thinks he's being kind of brave with this stuff, right? Doesn't he think he's being he experimental and pushing yeah, yeah, the envelope? Yeah. Like, remember he talked a few years ago about like, oh, we made this like mind altering album, but I'll never release it. And you just know it sounded like the Chemical Brothers about yeah. 15 years ago. I don't know, like, it, that's a really interesting take because I hadn't thought, like, oh, yeah, he should return to kind of, not meat and potatoes rock, but, you know, classic songwriting. I kind of half admire that he's just doing stuff he likes the sound of at this point and he's not, like, in some making some desperate attempt to hold on to an audience. Yeah. Like, he's made his money. He's, you know, he's got a few ideas. They're not great ideas. Do, do High Flying Birds <laughs> do well? Like, where do they usually kind of sit on, like, a, a well, festival they, circuit? They were they, doing tremendously well, I think, off the back of the first album because yeah. it was full of those kind of ballads and anthemic songs. And subsequent releases have been increasingly this kind of stuff and just the fans have been like what's Noel doing he's betraying <laughs> his roots yeah, it's Manchester's un- in tears <laughs> it's uncomfortable I mean they're supporting you too in Australia coming up right um, or did I read that somewhere does that sound it sounds right it sounds yeah, right he's talking about Bono recently I so. feel like yeah. that sounds right so mm. you can definitely cut that bit if I'm wrong <laughs> um, and he was in Dublin recently enough um, so I I don't know like I I have a lot of time for Noel, you know, in terms of like the first two Oasis albums, as everyone will say, and they're correct. You know, they were great and he's savvy. He's funny. uh, He makes life more interesting. And I just would love to see him do what Bruce Springsteen does and just know your strengths. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, that would be great and maybe get as good at lyrics as Bruce but that's never going to happen actually we didn't talk about the lyrics and the lyric one of the lyrics is the night is young and you've got nothing to say like Noel it kind of sums up every Noel Gallagher gig that that sounds like he he like sat down and was trying to write this song and then just wrote down exactly how he was feeling at that moment I mean at least he's self aware about that like he's been saying for years that like my lyrics are absolute nonsense (laughs) which does make it harder to like this kind of stuff when you know it's just a load of fluff really isn't it um, <laughs> moving on to not fluff I'm hearing people say this is a classic his only this classic, classic. this is Dahi's choice yeah um, uh, my track this week is uh, Drake's uh, Dreams Money Can't Buy we'll let's take a, take a listen, listen. fool from India she and Charlotte Olympias we talked music for hours she never mentioned ya can't tell you how much I love when niggas think they got it And I love the fact that line made them think about it YMCMB These niggas make it so hard to be friendly when I know part of it's envy Trying to fill the shoes, niggas so far these are empty I take them off in the house because the throw carpets are Fendi Ooh, I never seen the car you claim to drive Um, yeah, so, uh Dreams Money Can Buy is is a kind of a very classic Drake track. Um, it's the opening track to this new, uh, basically project that he released. Um, 
this week, which is called Care Package, which is basically just a massive collection of B-sides. The way Drake fans are talking about it, it seems like it's almost like the most incredible idea of all time that you would really in it, yeah. In and Drake being as Drake is being as savvy as he, as he is was just like in his press release. It's just like it's um it's bringing all our important moments together <laughs> together <laughs> yeah, in one yeah. place. It's just like oh for God's sake. So yeah, so like Dreams Money Can't Buy was basically and the reason I picked this track out of the whatever twenty two tracks I think is on that or something. Um, it's it's uh, it was a promotional track that was released just before Take Care, which uh, I've said before on this show is. An absolutely incredible album and, mm. and my absolute favourite Drake album. As close uh, as he's gotten to a classic. As close as he's yeah. gotten to a classic. Um, it, it's hard to kind of describe how, how kind of big the build up to Take Care was back in the day. Um, basically, he had just really he had released his debut album the year before. And while it kind of got fairly well reviewed and stuff, he was being announced as the kind of one of the big heavy hitters who was going to come up in the next couple of years. And uh, like any like a lot of hip hop debut albums, he was working with a lot of different producers and a lot of different people, um, which almost made that album feel a bit disjointed, that it, feel, it felt like it was coming from a whole pile of different ideas. And one of the things that people really liked about Drake was that he was continually working with this producer called uh, Noah Forty Shabib, yeah. who is a very, very long time collaborator. Um, and Take Care was basically this idea that they would co- go back and basically have no almost like produce the entire thing um and they released four tracks just before the album and the build-up um this was the first one that they released then they released marvin's room which wasn't going to be on the album but became this like huge successful track but mm. this track has been like this fan favorite for a long time it's almost like one of those like radiohead songs that people talk about where it's just yeah, like, oh, like a lift or years yeah. like, i've been listening to this thing on youtube for ages or whatever um and it's a really really good track now the, the first thing that you'll notice about it uh most people will is that it samples stripe paul's btsu yes um which you yes. were delighted by on friday when, when we were talking all is about. forgiven with drake because he's making some money for jay paul yeah i mean <laughs> as of this moment this track has four million listens Correct, on yeah. um spotify so thank god jay paul will be all right he's gonna be okay the what, school will be fine was it the right sample from that track so, yeah. Like it's that kind of intro thing, like that kind of angelic thing where it floats in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the part of that track of BTS to you that you would sample? It, but really it works for Drake, though, I guess. But, yeah. but it also straight after that they get Jai Paul's vocal in, and it's the part where he goes, "Don't fuck with," me. and he's about to say something, but then they turn it into a hip hop track by just getting to say over and <laughs> over, fuck "Don't with fuck me. with me." Yeah, Don't over and over again yeah. so it's like pretty smart like it was, it was pretty good but it's, it's funny how well that um, sample tr- suits Noah's production because you, you get this amazing like spacious thing yeah and this kind of like dark kind of lo-fi feel to the whole thing um, Drake's verses are fine it's the Drake era where he has like the classic Drake thing of basically it's like god life is so hard I'm having sex with so much women uh, but I'm also really rich and that's also is very, this a different hard. era you're talking about like, yeah exactly yeah but it was the real like it was the moment where he was doing like the sad the sad rap thing I mean we were talking about earlier about how like hip hop had that cliche for years and years of just bigging yourself up yeah. and he was bigging himself up but also had this like new brand new idea that seems like so normal now but at the time it was this crazy idea it's like was humble like, brag maybe, rap yeah, yeah maybe I also have feelings as well I don't know but anyway lots of expensive yeah. cars sleep with me and find and out yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah you never know uh, so like and like it, 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 it's a perfect example of this idea where you, when you look at Drake around the take care era you just should you should be treating him like almost like a television or a film character like he has That's this a, like yeah. character built around him and like I just really really like that idea and and when you look on Twitter about this track as well p- people like really really love this track mm. and the other one the th- the four the third track that came out as well it's called Club Paradiso I think 
um, are two tracks that people have like been kind of in love with for a really long time you know so that's a really interesting point about like this character that he's built because obviously he came from an acting background it has been said before that it like is Drake an actor playing like the yeah. world's most successful rapper right as opposed like, yeah, to, yeah. it's kind Did of he call it just something that he's just yeah he's, he's made it his own and kind of manifested Nadine your relationship with Drake's music you know it's odd because Drake is one of those people for me where I keep thinking I should like him more. Why don't yeah. I like him more? What's wrong with me? Because everyone else <laughs> likes him. Everyone else loves him. I mean, <laughs> they really love him. And like, I happily listen to a lot of hip hop, but I don't tend to put on a lot of Drake stuff. So I actually, I listened to this and I thought, actually, it's cool. I like it. Mm. Um, but I will admit to having the same feeling of like a little bit more tepid as a response, you know, mm. whereas actually the next track we're going to talk about, like my response was like, love it. Yeah. Absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah. We'll play it a lot. So with Drake, listen, I don't know. Maybe I just have some sort of... Um, yeah, like the, the big problem is definitely is his sheer volume as well. And like he's just done the same thing now for ages yeah. like, and if you like it you, then you love it but like if you don't then it's just like it's the same thing over and over again yeah and it, that's so true and mm. like I've you know seen all the sort of gig footage where people have every lyric down oh, and wow. it's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah it is so like I am not denying <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. I am like so in the minority that I'm reluctant <laughs> to even speak about it but I'm not going to lie either yeah. and for me I have a tepid response yeah I've like I like some I like some bizarre stuff <laughs> I've, yeah, I've never connected in, like in an emotional way with Drake's stuff. Really, it is incredible. Like this, this reign he's had over pop music, which is like yeah. going on a decade, doesn't really like his popularity isn't waning whatsoever. Not it's at quite all. Quite unheard of it's in like crazy, the last like, couple of decades, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad. Does and he it, maintain that? Like, how long can he go for? <laughs> yeah, because it almost felt like there was going to be that moment where around so views, many, maybe. So, yeah. yeah, so many pop stars get this moment where the backlash starts happening happened to Katy Perry happened to Taylor Swift everybody and then it seemed to kind of happen but he just seemed to ride through it and now it's like back up again and he's he's still grand it's very very strange I don't yeah. know okay we'll turn to Nadine's favourite track of the week now <laughs> my selection uh, it's a band whose last album came out when Drake was I don't know in high school uh, 2006 <laughs> I believe it's the return of Tool and this is Fear Inoculum So Tool um, arrived on streaming platforms. Their back catalogue um, arrived over the weekend and people lost their minds. Um, it was really kind of clever publicity for the forthcoming album because they're in top of everyone's mind. Um, and now this track arrives 10 minutes long. Um, first track in 13 years uh, since 10,000 Days. And it's it's very Tool. It's Tool. It's back. It sounds like 
a track that would arrive in the middle of a Tool record, right? It doesn't feel like a single. It's a groove, you know, it's a groove and it's a slow build. And actually, um, I was thinking back to to records I hadn't listened to in years. Like um, there's a 2003 record from the Future Kings of Spain, an older Irish band Mm. that um, they used to do sort of eight minute tracks occasionally. And again, just build up those guitars and get the production right. And once the production right is on... Is, is is writing something like this, then it's just such a joy to listen mm. to in your in your headphones. Uh, people actually, I was listening to this at work, and people kept coming up and tapping me on the shoulder, and I was like, "Not now!" <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm five minutes give, into give this tool exactly track. Ten minutes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I'm really enjoying it, and I want to, I want to keep listening to it because it, it's that sort of immersive listen yes, where, yeah. like, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, and I am, if it's the right, if it's the right band, like, I just find myself getting absolutely lulled by those kind of rhythms and their absolute mastery of the discipline and the fact that you know you can tell the this band have got that lineage and legacy um, and their production is so sweet on it um, and actually it's funny because when I went to Spotify later I noticed the two of my mates you know the way you can see on the, the sidebar what do the people listen to and they were listening to Tool and I was like <laughs> alright everyone's at it <laughs> yeah um, it's, you, you talk about that kind of meticulousness noose and Maynard James Keenan talked about the reason for it being so long between albums is that the other three, the musicians of the group, just spend so long um, recording stuff and paring stuff down and just finding those grooves and making them absolutely immaculate. So it's, all this stuff is really poured over and agonised over. And I liked it, but it didn't It didn't totally blow me away. Mm. Um, it's always good to hear Danny Carey on drums. He's just phenomenal. It was a great groove to it. I thought some of the riffs were a bit like, it felt like tool riffs. They were a bit kind of recycled. They didn't really set the world on fire. I feel like with Maynard, I'm still... There's something tainted about him since that Perfect Circle album from last year, um, <laughs> Eat the Elephant, which we reviewed on this show. And if you didn't hear that episode or you didn't hear that album, good for you, because <laughs> it was an absolutely torturous week. It's a horrendous <laughs> album. Uh, this is obviously far better. Tool would never stoop so low. But um, yeah, lyrically, Maynard was, he was on one on that record. And yeah, I like his vocals on this. Was I was still being reminded of the previous um album can I just say as well though right one of the things for me about hearing this and one of the things I absolutely love about it is I'm so sick to death of people playing the game with their singles and with their album sounds and I'm really tired of the fact that like a lot of the time there's this sort of very um anemic sort of sound that that gets onto radio stations and you know there's there's even a a formula for it so back in the 70s um people musicians had longer introductions before they would start singing on a track because they knew they had the wherewithal to do that that mm. radio stations would allow them the license to build up whereas these days if you go to a Rihanna or a Drake track or whatever they know they have to hit with the vocal really fast because if somebody moves off Spotify before say 30 seconds has passed it, Spotify won't register that as a play mm. so you've got to hit them really quick with the vocal and you've also got to um, basically just get into that Spotify formula where Spotify I will almost use an algorithm to put you in their suggested list for other tracks that sound the same, which is why so many female young musicians sound like Lord, because that's such a successful 
um, genre yeah, at the moment. Yeah. So I kind of just love that Tool come along and go, it's 10 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're doing what I mean, we you want. Can, yeah, you can really nerd out to this stuff. And I think that's all that the fans want, really. Yeah, like yeah, you've yeah. got your tabla solo. Um, this is their first time even going <laughs> on to Spotify. Like they released all their like yeah, material the onto tracks. Spotify yeah, yeah, recently. Yeah, sure. I think they got like 20 million streams within a very short space of time. And it's just incredible that they've held out for so long. I mean, it was them and Prince. And Prince, like actually, well, I mean, he died and then obviously... Yeah. They it went up onto Spotify, but like they were one of the few to, to hold out. Holdouts, yeah, um, yeah. Like the the fan base online wasn't talking about like, oh, what a great comeback single. It was like lots of stuff of like, what's the time signature on the bridge and yeah, people yeah, trying yeah, to figure yeah, that yeah. stuff out. So, which is a really nice way to consume music. So, very excited about the album. Still, speaking of albums, our album of the week this week is the debut release from Claro, uh, Immunity. We're very hyped about Claro. Um, yeah. She almost she almost stole our um, our Hot Boys Sound of the Summer yeah, yeah. Uh, bracket sing. I think she was um, the she judges' was kind of favorite, right? Judges' favorite, with yeah, bags, yeah, which is a phenomenal so, yeah. track. Um, she didn't quite get there. She was a semi finalist. Um, let's see how she'll fare with her long player. Um, this track is Sophia. It's taken from Immunity. Uh, have a listen. I Yeah, so us aside, there's been like plenty of internet buzz around Claro. Um, on a show level, we've been hyped since Bags and before yeah. that, I guess. She's an um, interesting character. She's very much like a an internet artist uh, on on a rise, basically, right? Yeah, um, kind of made her name on you know lo fi lo fi bedroom recordings. Yeah, she's YouTube been on. Kind of stuff yeah, and, I think she's just about to turn twenty one, but she's been on band camp release and stuff for at least five years. Um, it was the song Pretty Girl that I think really took off on yeah. YouTube. She said it was like, oh, the, the algorithm, I don't know, it did something. It's like 35 million listens later or something like that. Uh, she had a record contract. There's also been that flip side where there's certain corners of the internet that are now saying, like, she's an industry plant, which oh, yeah. is this her, conversation. Her that comes up. Connections in the yeah, like her dad's some marketing executive. Um, So, you know, we've heard this with Billie Eilish. Even Chance is apparently an industry plant. Frankie Cosmo. Mm. So there's already a bit of a backlash about the amount of attention and kind of profile pieces she's getting. Um, I certainly think from the music that we've talked about, it's warranted because there's a lot of kind of promise and potential there. Um this is her definitely moving away from the lo-fi bedroom indie stuff. Um, yeah. She's got Rostam producing every track. Um, Dave Friedman, though? Oh, he's mixing. He mixed it, yeah. Um, Danielle Heim, I think, does a lot of drumming, so it's like a and real... vocals as well. Yeah, all-star cast. Um, and does it live up to bags, which kind of sits in the middle of the record and, for me, is still like one of the jewel. songs of the year. 
a jewel uh, in yeah. the yeah. record. Yeah. Really, I mean, really if you ha- if you have that on your album, you immediately are onto a winner, right? So just whatever about the rest of the quality of it. But uh, <laughs> can I just say, actually, I listened to that track. I, I wasn't familiar with Bags before I started listening to the album, and I came across the Bags track, and I was like, wow, this track is amazing. But it immediately reminded me very, very strongly of Gemma Hayes. Um, and then I started thinking to myself, hang on a minute, who produced Gemma Hayes' first album, which was Mercury nominated, nominated Night in My Side? So I went back and I had a look and it was actually Dave Friedman. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, this is too weird. Like these, <laughs> no, but but they have, um, Gemma and Claro have this incredibly similar uh, kind of sound in the sense that there's a sort of a distancing technique where you feel like you're sometimes hearing the tracks through a layer of gauze or something yeah. that there's just this airiness that's put in that kind of Mercury Rev style airiness where yeah. you're going there's layers and there's space in there and it's making her a little bit more interesting but a lot of the time I'm wondering if it's a feat of production rather than songwriting yeah it's a funny thing yeah because I mean I think um, it, it was it's I think for this album it's definitely put her kind of as ma- almost mainly a vocalist uh, uh, first and foremost I think her lyrics are actually really really good in this I mean it's all very straightforward stuff um, a very very kind of a growing up fair very classic debut album kind of stuff but she she deals with it really really well and she's she's in an amazing kind of uh, writing style um, she, she has a really really good understanding as well of what her, what she wants her songs to be she's mentioned in interviews before where um, she really likes the idea of having a song as this like a capsule in time where if there's something certain happened that she would write about it and even if how she feels about the moment has changed the song itself can hold itself as, as this like singular piece and I think she like really really succeeds in that in a lot of different places um, the, the kind of the the debut album itself kind of has a lot of kind of really really interesting design choices as well. She, I'm, I'm really really surprised that somebody kind of at this level with a debut album is, is thinking so far ahead about the production style and stuff. And I think Rostram, who's co-producing it with her, is, is is obviously been a really really good mentor in certain places. She kind of talks about um, in that last track. I wouldn't ask you. There's a there's a kids choir, and she she kind of she's she talks she talks about how she kind of has the um, the kids choir there as a symbol for how. Uh, kids when they when they when they have feel emotions they don't kind of think about how other people are seeing them when they have those emotions they're either if they're really sad they're super super sad or if they're very very happy they just let it all go and that's how she wanted to use it and then in another track um i think it was in closer to you she uses a very very heavy auto-tune and she also mentions in that how the auto-tune is basically kind of an idea of um, a wall between her and the person that she's talking to that it doesn't have any kind of um, emotion on it so it just feels like that's what she yeah, feels like when she talks and again, stuff yeah. and that's like really really advanced interesting production ideas but right? I got the impression though the first time I played it I played it just like out into the room and I actually wasn't that impressed and then I started playing it on my headphones and I realised it's a real headphones album because Mm. there's so much in it in terms of like really subtle like the kids choir coming in and out or tiny little uh, developments into the chorus or just little breaks and you can hear all that when you have it um, as that kind of an experience Um, but I think sometimes when you when you play it out into a room you're losing like that I had the exact same emotion like yeah and I just kind of I think some of that is also down to her vocal delivery is at the end of the day quite similar in every single track right Yeah. like there's a, like a very like lovely calm emotion to it but it just feels like it it, it's very tricky to have legs for something with that, which the, is that vocal. To me, there was way too much distance from everything. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you got so much out of it, but, like, lyrically, to me, 
it did like hit all those quite generic like, cliched markers for me and I wasn't hearing a huge amount of personality mm. there was glimpses of it and like some bags like I like when she actually touch you know some of her imagery and the actual nitty gritty details when she gets into it can be really evocative but so much of this stuff just felt like he he said she said um kind of not into that like it was just a lot of tropey stuff yeah and it is meant to be documenting her falling in love i think there are a couple of tracks on it where she falls for i think a female friend and she's she's, female pronouns in the tracks yeah and she's she's talked in interviews about uh not defining herself completely as straight and the album is an opportunity to explore that which i did think was interesting and particularly maybe when you compare her to somebody like mabel whose album new album i was reviewing last week Mm. and you know mabel plays it very very straight ahead with her lyrics you know don't call that guy up don't don't do this you know and it's it's those tropes that we're all really familiar with so it is interesting to get something a little bit deeper from Claro but having said that I did think overwhelmingly that the album was too subtle yeah like, like so much of this sounds pure Rostam to me and I think like I kind of feel like he inadvertently sabotaged a lot of this album do you think like, yeah yeah just by There's like so being... much guitars and so much like these crunchy distorted drums and stuff which wasn't in her production beforehand no and I it felt weird to me because I felt like he was being almost too cerebral and clever clever with some of his touches like there's yeah there's moments where this crunch will just arrive for no real apparent purpose like it doesn't really serve the track or the song in a great way to me and I just like her kind of her skill a lot of time to me seems to be pure songwriting and the melodies Um, but are the melodies that good? I felt like they weren't brought out enough. Like, like this needed kind of more really dynamics. Kind of I felt like if this was an could album you, produced, could the postman sing it though? I think a like really, North really downbeat postman. <laughs> 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 I felt like if this was like a mid nineties alternative rock album, it would sound much better and serve her kind of strengths a lot better. When she tries to kind of get into the space of alternate R&B, which she does quite a bit, like it's just, yeah, like to Softly me, is a very strange track felt like she's in like the shallows of like Frank Ocean's Blonde a bit. Like yeah, it's, actually, you know it's a I mean? really good comparison. Well, yeah, because like, I, I, yeah, like for me, like I'll take that track bags and I'm going to play it a lot. Yeah, and it's I'm, definitely still the absolute I know tune. that's the one that like in a year's time, I'll still be going to that track. But as for the rest of the album, like I have to be honest, because I come across quite a lot of this kind of album from this kind of artist, yeah. it she's in a really crowded marketplace, and mm. I'm not sure it's doing quite enough. Yeah, I it, like it's the personality that I don't think has come true quite enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know I think if that Bags is has way more personality. Totally than does. Here, um, at a time when like pop music is so built on kind of being subversive and referential, and you know, it's no longer about that kind of cookie cutter just generic stuff you have to kind of stand out in some way but yeah some like some of their production is absolutely glorious and it does like all wash over you really like in a beautiful way it's very listenable but there's times when again Rostam like on a track like Impossible which I think is a bit of a standout then you get like his trademark like harpsichord run just coming in and it's just like well, why is that here and you're just to see like you this make that doesn't... sound like it's like a Led Zeppelin <laughs> yeah. guitar moment yeah, yeah, yeah. his trademark harpsichord run <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I won't do anything unless I can put this in please you know what I mean? which is instantly kind of no reminds stairway. you <laughs> instantly reminds you of kind of like the bright you know uh, buttoned up kind of Ezra Koenig delivery 
which yeah. and I think when he does that with someone like say Hamilton Lighthouser who's just raw and a huge force of nature it offsets it really well and they work together but I think it kind of overwhelms some of Claro's more kind of quieter leanings and yeah the thing is though I had a look on YouTube and saw her perform at Lollapalooza and like I have to be honest the, her vocal was very weak and uh, maybe she wasn't getting a lot of help um, right. in terms of the setup but the one thing that I would say and it's one of the reasons why I kept thinking of Gemma Hayes is Gemma Hayes's vocal is is a beautiful thing and mm. if, wherever you hear her perform live it's just a, a glorious glorious vocal and actually Claro doesn't really have that for my money she's a tiny bit more like Stina Nordenstam or something where okay, it's yeah. so soft that it has to be done in studio to bring out the subtlety and the nuance of her style and then when it comes to the live it's not really going to cut it not yeah. the way Lord or or as I was mentioning Gemma Hayes can can manage live so for me that's kind of a problem as well she's 20 years old at the moment and by the time she's 25, 26 she's going to have had to have performed at all those festivals yeah. and it does make a difference it affects your career massively if you can't project to the back It's true Yeah, yeah So where next for Caro? Um, I mean, Wheelands <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, like that's you it know, is, with this kind of question. with this Where kind of production, you, here, you know, like? when you're when you want to get into that territory of doing moody, dreamy R and B kind of really immaculately produced stuff, you do kind of need the pipes to like yeah. raise yourself above it. Which is why I think like she would totally fit in with that aesthetic of. Not a great voice, but just like high energy, really great Mac yeah. for knack for hooks. And she's just... gonna write songs for other people, I'd say. I mean, okay. it's a bit like you know maybe Kathy Dennis writing, I don't know, Toxic for Britney. Maybe she'll turn around because she's a, she is a good lyricist. She's got some cool yeah. observational lines in this and observational moments. And I think she's just twenty, so like you gotta give her a break as well and say, yeah. look, the fact that this exists in the sheen and the polish that it has is is quite remarkable. And she's already really successful on Spotify with like millions of plays. So there's obviously there's a demographic for her although sometimes I think that's a bit misleading as well because I do think she's an algorithm person I think she gets shoved mm. into if you like that listen to this yeah, by yeah, Spotify yeah. So there, there was I saw some discussion online about how this album is kind of um, it, there's there's enough kind of different pieces of tracks in here that kind of lend itself to put being put into very specific playlists mm. in different places it's like certain slow piano tracks okay we need the slow piano track okay we need the the rocky kind of one we need the the morning track and whatever, yeah like the I opener mean. and closer like yeah, here, yeah. here's my statement kind of thing and like, the weird yeah. thing though as well is I mean that, so that, that vocal like <laughs> it does and I can I can totally see how it would get washed away in a live thing especially if you're doing more band orientated stuff which is why I would say that like you know with Pretty Girl and some of the more YouTube stuff it was all this like very kind of like lo-fi almost vaporwave internet kind yeah. of wheezy sounds which that vocal lends itself works much better for that, yeah. and the really scary thing is that like I mean this is a debut album it kind of she had a lot writing on this it would be quite hard to go back and do an, an album now in that very lo-fi aesthetic when you've done this one you know it's like the only she's the on only a certain course yeah course. yeah yeah it's it's kind of tricky I don't know what you would do after this album other than another one of these albums yeah like I again it's it's beautifully produced I just don't know if it was the right production for mm. her opening maybe statement. it wasn't yeah. Um, yeah but there's you know there is stuff to like here um, yeah I really love I really love North and I really loved North yeah. Flag I thought was a great track yeah North yeah. is lovely um there are moments where there is that energy behind the yeah. production and it kind of lends itself to kind of, there's a buoyancy to her vocals as a result of it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So more of that kind of stuff, I guess. In terms of the score, I'd probably go, 
5.5-ish? 6? Like, it's... I can't really say... There's nothing bad about it, but it just... It washed over me. Yeah. Pleasantly. Bags... I'm pretty sure Bags... And Bags gets a few it. points just by itself. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it's like my most, most listened to track this year, really. You know? Yeah. Uh, but um, I'd say I can pull probably about, like, four or five tracks out of here that I would put into playlists and listen to and stuff. Would listen to the old album in, t- in its entirety again. Um a lot so I'd probably give it about a six I would say okay. yeah for me it's a, a polite six this is a <laughs> sophisticated <laughs> polite. Which seems not that polite <laughs> yeah once you say it like that yeah, yeah. even the fact <laughs> saying polite makes it less polite really but it's, it's a problem in this world that we live in where there are absolutely millions of singer-songwriters out there feverishly working on material in their bedroom um, in the same way that there are millions of podcasters out there. <laughs> so you've got to, you've actually got to bring your A-game these days. And look, I know she's already successful. She's already in a really good position, but we've all seen how the bubble can burst quite fast. And I don't think this is quite enough of a statement. Interesting. Okay. Nadine, you've brought your A-game to the podcast game. Um, this has been great. I've really Thank enjoyed so this much. episode. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, and check out My Roots Are Showing, which I am going to do because like the, your booking Slacker. list so far is like, yeah, I know. I listened to the Shirley Manson one, which I loved. Um, but yeah, like the booking list so far has been like just people I enjoy. Tracy Torn, I'm going to listen to Tracy Torn, yeah. Kevin Barry. There's, yeah, I mean, it's actually been like just a, I suppose, a work in progress and seeing how it goes. But I really love audio. I love podcasting. So hopefully, hopefully um, it will all continue to go well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, check that out after this. But first, other listening guys, have you been, is there anything you want to hype up? Uh, I listened to a lot of Black Midi. Uh, this week, oh really? We were playing in um, all together now. Yeah, and it absolutely blew me away. It was really, really incredible. Okay, um, and definitely worth seeing live. I would say real. Does the album now make sense? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, a lot more. And also, like, I mean, they go in a lot of places live. If you know what I mean, it makes it very, very interesting to see. Uh, brilliant festival band as well. So that's what I listen to. And then, other than that, uh, I have a single coming out next. Friday so yes. after this one so I'm just going to say I loved your song with Alva Reddy oh, and you, yeah. I was watching the Instagram stories uh, she had some footage up and it was sounding beautiful ah, so I'm sorry I missed your set but no yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was a late one great track <laughs> but uh, yeah 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 I was, I was fantastic as well yeah she's, she's been doing a lot of shows and it's great yeah. um, if Will I recommend someone? Yeah, go um, ahead. Okay, so... That's the time. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. <laughs> for, for those I love, um, oh, it's a yeah. beautiful Dublin artist who has made uh, this wonderful album inspired by his friend who um, tragically died. And it, it was an album that was made in his bedroom um, in Donamede and it's just such a sustained wonderful record if you like the streets I'd really recommend mm. checking it out and yeah it's just called For Those I Love and the album is called For Those I Love and it is very difficult to Google um, <laughs> but, yeah. but it is really really great and uh, yeah I mean other than that um, like, oh, I've been listening to Chance the Rapper <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that Chance? Yeah, yeah, chance. You One got down. a fan um, and uh, I mean to be honest like Billie Eilish is playing Electric Picnic Festival and I am mm. so excited about that. Oh I think she is yeah, a freak of nature in that I, I just, I've got so much admiration. Like you talk about bringing your A game, like she is what, 17 years old or yeah. something? Another industry plant. <laughs> she's no more an industry She's If she's, the industry is planting those kind of people, keep doing, keep doing it, please. please. Yeah, <laughs> please. But yeah, like ahead of Electric Picnic, I'll be listening yeah. to Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. going to be so That's good. going to be unreal, yeah. I've been listening to like old stuff 
Like I just I fell down a Nirvana rabbit hole at the weekend. It was Daniel O'Donnell like weird <laughs> beauty contest yeah, on yeah. Nirvana. When you, when you think Daniel O'Donnell, you immediately go to Nirvana straight afterwards. Yeah, yeah that's much. Right. So check out Nirvana. <laughs> 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 this episode of No Encore was engineered by our sonic architect Eve Murray. Um, I've also been listening to some new music. It's our exit music this week. It's from Laurie Shaw, who's a 24 year old world songwriter who's now based in the south of Ireland, uh, where he records apparently for. From his mountain retreat, surrounded by several large wild cats. Wow. I don't believe Sounds that. Like a dream. He often gigs around Cork, Dublin, and the Merseyside area. So check him out. He's released around seventy-five albums to date. Most of his songs are like a minute long, so that might be true. Check out his Bandcamp. Um, he's got a n- new record out right now. It's called All Right. Um, definitely check that out on Bandcamp. If you're like a fan of Harry Nielsen kind of pop, like intelligent hooky stuff but a bit ramshackle uh, he'll be right up your street this is mum and dads I've been Craig Fitzpatrick this has been No Encore come back next week and we might have some like OG guest for you uh, but before that Laurie Shaw takes away cheers well I feel so sad and I want it all to stop and I need an end cause I don't feel my friend like I'm living well so it's got that bad Stuck in a town that feels like more of a shackle Where freedom doesn't matter and it's bringing me down, down, down This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.